We have a pretty high view of ourselves here in Massachusetts. We boast of being home to the first of, well, almost everything in the country. The first public library, the first public school, the first university. Fast forward and we were the first state to legalize same-sex marriage and help set the table for the Affordable Care Act at the national level. I'm Michael Jonas, and today on the podcast, we're helping to mark the relaunch of Commonwealth Magazine as Commonwealth Beacon by taking stock of whether the Commonwealth does, in fact, serve as a beacon. The word beacon can actually mean a guiding light or a warning sign of something, and maybe those two meanings both apply here. Helping us to sort it all out are Aaron O'Brien, a political science professor at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, and Steve Cazella, president of the Massing Polling Group. Welcome, Aaron. It's great to have you. Superb to be here. And thank you, Steve, for joining us. Thanks, Michael. So, Steve, you and your colleagues at the Massing Polling Group uh, carried out a poll for us recently uh, in conjunction with the launch of Commonwealth Beacon that asked state residents a number of questions trying to get at uh, some of the issues that might underlie this idea of whether we are a beacon and how folks feel about the state of life here in Massachusetts and how we think about it in relation to how we view things in the rest of the country. Give us kind of a a top line take uh, on the findings. Are we seen by folks here in Massachusetts as a beacon? Yeah, thanks, Michael. There there are a lot of pieces and a lot of ways to look at it. So I am glad that we're on the podcast and have plenty of time to kind of unpack them all because how people feel about it is complex and it's nuanced. And overall, they think things here are pretty good. They think the quality of life here is pretty good. They think their own quality of life is pretty good and is pretty much better than it is elsewhere. They also think, you know, Massachusetts is doing well in a number of specific policy issues compared to the rest of the country. So no surprise, education, healthcare, higher ed, those kinds of things. Um, and they think life here is better for particularly for certain groups of people compared to the rest of the country, or at least as good as the rest of the country. However, when you look further down the list of issues, there are also a series of items where people think we're doing worse or most people think we're doing worse. There too, not any huge surprises. So think traffic, taxes, cost of living, and the big one, of course, housing costs, something we've all talked a lot about. So there's kind of a lot of numbers on either side. So again, I'm glad we have time to unpack them all. So a very mixed message, I guess you might say. Aaron, what did you uh, take away from, from the findings in the poll and this sort of idea about Massachusetts as a beacon? You know, Steve stole my thunder on some level, <laughs> but I, I'm struck by uh, Massachusetts is, is not lacking for self-confidence in itself. And what I love so much about this poll is that, you know, there's tons of literature and we regularly make reference to Massachusetts exceptionalism, Massachusetts as a beacon, but it's based on, you know, structural analysis. It's based on the way politicians talk about Massachusetts. It's based, if I hear a city on the hill reference one more time, I might jump. Um, (laughs) um, But what this poll does is go to residents because I think there is a real open empirical question. Are residents feeling that it's better here in Massachusetts? Do they think Massachusetts state government is better than the federal government? And, you know, we've had 
real chin bruising electoral contest between new Boston and old Boston. We've had massive demographic changes. Um, the only reason Massachusetts is gaining population right now is because of immigrants coming in. And all that is a stew that I wasn't sure if that swagger of Massachusetts amongst residents would remain. And, and it has. Um, we, we have good therapists apparently here <laughs> in the Bay State. And so I was struck in the poll that by how confident Massachusetts residents are saying that our best days are ahead of us. That really stuck out to me. Whereas when they assessed the United States, they said our best days are behind us. That is a confidence, a hubris that is good news for governing. But like Steve said, the seeds of our discontent are here. When we're talking about housing, cost of living, taxes, traffic. These are the day-to-day -day issues that keep individuals from being able to participate in politics, and it brings out the worst in them. So uh, while I see mostly good news in those polls, I do see um, a threat to the beacon of Massachusetts, and it's a basic threat. It's one of material well-being. And um, I should make a plug here, and Aaron, I commend your modesty for not doing it yourself, but when we talk about this idea of Massachusetts exceptionalism, uh, one of the reasons that uh, that we wanted Aaron here to talk about it is that she recently co-edited a book, the title of which is The Politics of Massachusetts Exceptionalism, Reputation Meets Reality. So this kind of idea of the regard that we may have for ourselves and then some of the sort of facts on the ground uh, about what, you know, what life is really like here in ways that, that it may not quite match the concept we have of ourselves is something she spent a lot of time thinking about. And I just want to sort of talk a little bit more about this idea about kind of how we view ourselves versus the rest of the country, because one thing in that question that was really interesting uh, was uh, the fact that MassInc actually did a report uh, that happened to come out exactly 20 years ago in, in 2003 that, that pulled on some of these same questions. And um, it, it found that uh, people actually had a higher a rating of their own quality of life then than now. So so even though the you know Steve's poll this time finds still something roughly like two thirds of I think residents feel that they or their family have a pretty good quality of life, that's down a little bit from what they found twenty years ago. But almost paradoxically, the uh, folks polled today at a higher level think that um, you know that things are better here than elsewhere. So there's kind of these weird. Uh, you know, this kind of disjointed feeling that, you know, things have, have gotten a little tougher here, but we feel, you know, even more sure that things are better here than elsewhere. Uh, Steve, help us understand a little bit or try to help us understand how those two things can both be, be true or both be expressed by residents in your view. I think there is some level of fear of the other in some way. I think that's part of it in the sense that, you know, there's there's an increasing sense here in Massachusetts and around the country that the rest of America, there's there are problems out there, you know, and I would wager that that's probably not unique to Massachusetts feeling that way, where, you know, if you feel like things are pretty good here, if things are going the way that you'd prefer, you know, you're a Democrat in a blue state, you're a Republican in a red state, that if you were to ask about things further away, you would have concerns about how things are going out there. So I think that can partially explain that that shift in, you know, more people now thinking things are better here uh, compared to elsewhere. Um, and then, you know, the issues that we've already talked about, I think, you know, have gotten 
gotten measurably worse here, um, you know, over the last 20 years, childcare costs, you know, objectively, you look at the charts per person, childcare costs per child in Massachusetts is way higher than it is anywhere else. And, you know, housing costs have increased faster traffic, you know, Boston's typically at or near the bottom of the list in terms of, you know, hours lost per year uh, commuting and that sort of thing. So these are actual issues and they're real measurable issues that are affecting how people feel. And Michael, I'd say they're right. It is worse here right now. <laughs> the trend studies are reactions to empirical realities. You know, uh, and I mean, they're on economics. You know, you you thankfully gave a nice plug for our book. And in one of the chapters that I wrote, you know, the average people actually regularly think I'm misquoting the findings here and I'm not. The average wealth for black families in Boston is $8. It's $247,000 for white families. That kind of staggering wealth inequality is picked up in this poll. It's also the knowledge economy has brought a lot of money into Massachusetts, but that has, we already had high housing costs and they're even higher and there's low housing stock. So I think that the change in the trend study is uh, a response to um, conditions on the ground. But the, the, the idea that it's still better here and that confidence there is a giant orange specter <laughs> in the rest of the country and we're coming out of the trump years and maybe going back into them and so when uh individuals see the kind of you know electoral hijinks in other states the negative partisanship um that has come to characterize the last 20 years this is new on the ground people used to like their party a lot now they um, dislike the party, the other party, more than they like their own. And Massachusetts, with a, typically, not right now, a Republican governor and a, a Democratic uh, state house and mostly Democratic office holders, we have bruising fights, but we don't have ad hominem negative partisanship in the Commonwealth to the same degree that we see in other areas. So I, I think that trend's fascinating. And the, the the reason we see an uptick in dissatisfaction with economic conditions and travel in Massachusetts is because it has gotten worse. But the reason we hold ourselves in continual high regard and maybe even a little bit more is because the rest of the country has gone, um, I'm going to use a technical term, a little batty in the last couple of years under Trump. And that feels ugly. Yeah, <laughs> Lindsey Graham had a variation on that that was even a little saltier. I don't know if people remember. I've never that. been compared to Lindsey Graham in my life. Well, there you go. There's the. <laughs> I just said there's a lot of firsts here in Massachusetts. There's another one, but. I think he, you know, before he kind of got religion on Donald Trump, he famously said that his party had gone batshit crazy, uh, <laughs> if we'll recall. But but uh, leaving that aside, um, the one thing that I, I, I do think is interesting is that, you know, this point about things being measurably worse now is certainly true. And I was struck in the poll that um, that that was kind of seen across the board by folks, you know, uh, regardless of income, education, uh, party. I mean, there were some slight differences, but but there was real unanimity uh, in the poll around, you know, housing, you know, is just a huge problem here. Housing costs are in cost of living. And, um, you know, and that sort of speaks to, I don't know, I guess even people at higher incomes 
you know, it's all relative. They're looking to buy houses, I guess, in, you know, better off suburbs with good schools. So they're sort of in some way see themselves struggling, although, you know, objectively, you know, they've got a lot of advantage, but they're sort of feel like they're struggling the same way, uh, you know, low or moderate income person is struggling to get their first house in a in a less expensive town. And so those kind of economic challenges are sort of being felt across the board. But on the kind of positive side, when we talk about the ways that, you know, people really do see things much better as being much better here than elsewhere, there was kind of a divide. Uh, Steve, talk a little bit about that, because although generally, I think for most population groups, they still thought things were better here when it came to health care, when it came to higher ed, uh, things like K-12 education. But you start to see some still some some gaps between how folks view that based on, you know, their educational background and income and other things that sort of get at where they sit on the economic ladder. Yes. And this comes from the same question series where we basically asked, is Massachusetts doing better or worse than the rest of the country on a whole series of, you know, 12 or 15 different policy issues? And um, that's where we found the ones we've already discussed that are worse. Um, but the ones that were better, higher education, healthcare quality, arts, K-12 education, and so forth, that's where we saw that economic divide, uh, Michael, that you mentioned. And basically how that appeared was that if you have a bachelor's degree, for instance, if you have an advanced degree, if you live in a household where, you know, incomes over $100,000, you're much, much more likely to say you think Massachusetts is doing better on those issues than people who do not have a bachelor's or who live in households where incomes under 50,000, for instance, um, there, there's very, very large gaps in some of those. I think some of what that has to do with probably is access, honestly, to some of those things, access to some of the benefits and bonuses of living in Massachusetts. Um, if you have availed yourself or been able to avail yourself of the higher education system, then you know you can see and you know that it is better than it is elsewhere in many cases. If you have health insurance that allows you to get into um, the world-class healthcare facilities that we have here in Massachusetts, or you can afford to do so, great. You know, you can see how good things are. If you can't, or if you if you're not able to access good K-12 schools or good higher education or any higher education or great healthcare, then in what way is Massachusetts better for you? You know, or is it just that part of Massachusetts that that is better is just out of reach and may as well, you know, doesn't have any pertinence to your own life. And Aaron, how did you sort of see that? I mean, it feels like um, I mean, there's kind of there's kind of the, the two tails of the things that people feel we're, we're doing better on. And then the ones at the bottom, like housing and cost of living and taxes, where there's kind of clear, almost consensus that we're doing much worse. But that there's also kind of within the things that everyone acknowledges, we kind of our sort of positive standouts on, there's this real divide and there's a little bit of a kind of tale of two states and tale of kind of the haves and the have-nots. And that just can't help but be more pronounced, I think, in a high-cost place like here. It's certainly true in, you know, other coastal cities in San Francisco. I mean, we see these, you know, glaring pictures of, you know, extraordinary wealth and then, you know, homelessness. Uh, you know, it may not always be at that extreme, but there really are kind of two Massachusettses that are experiencing what's what's happening here. Most definitely. And I think that that's where this sort of threat to Massachusetts exceptionalism comes in. If you're in the, um, the lower wage earner or you're the individual who says, you know, the Massachusetts miracle is hasn't come my way. 
um, then why would you continue to keep buying in? Uh, a government hasn't benefited you. Now, we haven't seen a lot. I don't think there's been, uh, the, the poll doesn't suggest that there's been a whole scale walking away by lower income individuals uh, at all. But when I say the seeds of the discontent, they're there. Um, and they're based in individuals' material reality and how hard it is to make ends meet in Massachusetts. You know, on the upper end, individuals who are like, oh, housing cost is expensive. They're saying like, I had to sell stock portfolios. <laughs> I had to sell stock to buy a house. And most residents in Massachusetts are like, what's a stock portfolio? I don't have one. Um, so yeah, I mean, the haves and haves nots are, are quite pronounced in Massachusetts and our sort of hubris of how we understand ourselves uh, doesn't always reflect that. One thing I was surprised by in the results I was looking a lot at the regional variation and uh, on most questions, there weren't um, huge uh, gaping differences in different regions of Massachusetts. My, my dad's family's from Western Mass. So I always feel like I have to represent because Western Mass perpetually feels left out. Um, but on things like, uh, are we doing better here in Massachusetts? All the modal position for every region of Massachusetts um, that was tabulated was that it is better here. So uh, the class differences were striking, but the lack of strong regional variation stuck out to me as well. I'd also just add that I think some of the feeling that things are worse here, the things that we agree on, and the fact that even people with more education and income agree on them, doesn't always reflect personal struggle, but reflects you recognize, you can see, you know, in many cases, the house you own, you bought in 2010 and is now worth four times as much. So it's not hard to see that, you know, this is an issue or your kids can't afford to stay or your friends can't afford to move in or your neighbors have to, you know, relocate. Or you can't pay your property tax. Exactly. All all of the things I think that, that you can see in the abstract, you know, I think are part of what goes into that rather than only, you know, you're struggling to buy a super expensive house. And I'll just add, Vera, that's such a good point. Like, it, you know, I work at UMass Boston and we're hiring. The salaries aren't competitive oftentimes. To make $100,000 in Columbus, Ohio versus $100,000 in Boston, there's so much of that, of the arts, the culture, the healthcare, the education is superb. But if you can't buy in and afford it, we've got a lot of magnet issues in Massachusetts, but that cost of living repels. Right. And we've, you know, over the years, periodically hear stories about Mass General Hospital and other places having trouble recruiting doctors. So that kind of gets to that point that the economic hurdles or challenges here get sort of felt at all levels, you know, on the economic ladder. I want to just briefly ask a little bit about how people feel about government. You know, we sort of in the media and, you know, maybe folks in academia, you know, we talk a lot about the problems uh in Massachusetts government. And, you know, and, and I know you explored some of these issues in, in your book, Aaron, but I'm struck that, uh, again, people are not showing like enormous discontent with the legislature. You know, we, on the other hand, are constantly talking about, you know, how opaque it is, how there's no competition for seats and that, you know, the place runs like a some kind of uh, fiefdom being run by insiders that, you know, we only get access to, you know, once a year, they'll tell us, okay, we've settled on a budget, usually, you know, weeks or months late, and here's here's what's in it. And, you know, nobody was really in on how it was all happening. Um, I was struck, though, between when you talked, Aaron, about this is really kind of telling us what actual people think, not folks like us, 
uh, on the question in the polls of government transparency, 29% said things are better here than elsewhere, and 23% said worse, and 36% said about the same. So there was really no sense that people are up in arms over you know the weak public records law we have, the, the kind of closed-door meetings of the legislative committees that sort of hash everything out. So I, I, I don't know. There's just, again, there's a there's a disconnect between, I think, how a lot of us and the kind of pundit class thinks about things and, and what, what the poll showed. I don't know. What do, you, what do you think, Steve and Aaron, both of you? Yeah, Michael, you're 100% correct. When Gerald Duquette and I were writing the book, The Politics of Massachusetts, Exceptionalism, Reputation Meets Reality, um, he was reputation and I was reality. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And we regularly had um, s- some barn burners, but they were like fun disagreements. And so as much as my ego doesn't want to say this, he's right when it comes to institutions. Uh, I was struck by that 49% approval of the state legislature uh, by Massachusetts residents in this poll. Um, only 17% of Massachusetts residents trust the federal government to do the right thing all or most of the time, um, but they trust the state government to do that 37% of the time. Uh, major elected leaders, almost all of them were above water with 50 plus approval. That suggests where the things we've been talking about, the threats to Massachusetts exceptionalism, the threats to the beacon of Massachusetts of economics and inequality and affordability. Those things are very real. But um, Massachusetts likes its institutions. Our political institutions work in the way the framers originally set forth. Our state legislature is um, top dog. And we might think it's inefficient and not transparent, but um, individuals feel represented by their state legislature. It's a tighter relationship. It's a representational relationship. So I think the, you know, fidelity to the framers intentions with political institutions, mass publics in Massachusetts are responding to their elected leaders and their institutions favorably. And as a political scientist, that is something to be celebrated because this poll was very careful to um, uh, sample uh, diverse cross-sections of Massachusetts. So it's not all, even though I love to say the glass is half empty, I have to see some fullness in this. Steve? Yeah, I mean, the the approval numbers and the re-election numbers in Massachusetts do, I think, show that by and large people feel okay with the way that leaders are, are doing things. I think the thing that we often point out is that they're often very not content or show a lot of discontent with the actual outcomes that these leaders produce. But then when you ask about the leaders themselves, you see high numbers. You know, probably the best recent example of this, of course, is Charlie Baker, where you had, you know, lots of discontent about the, you know, functioning of the MBTA or, you know, probably any of these other things that they're still discontent about. But then you'd look and you'd see 75, 70% approval ratings, you know, year after year after year after year. Um, And we see the same thing or a similar dynamic when we're looking at things like the re-election rates for members of the legislature or, you know, these job approval numbers that never really seem to move significantly or at least not go negative for both state leaders and the state legislature. You know, I want to emphasize one other thing in this poll that I think Massachusetts rightfully has a place to be proud of itself. And again, I'm a glass half empty person here. But there were um, two questions uh, that ask about uh, individuals coming into Massachusetts, some of which are undocumented. 
the first was Massachusetts is the only state in the country to have a right to shelter law. And some 76% of individuals strongly support or somewhat support um, when it came to helping those housed in the emergency shelter system. Do you oppose or support housing migrants and the emergency shelter system? Yes, there's a drop, but still majorities of 55% strongly support or somewhat support. And to me, that says when confronted with an issue that is no longer abstract, when a lot of communities have uh, struggled to house migrants documented and undocumented, at least right now, our, our better angels are being reflected in this polling, that that, uh, that influx of migrants hasn't changed support for a right to shelter law that yes, New York City has it, but all of Massachusetts has it, especially when a group like migrants has been so negatively constructed and targeted in the larger national political discourse. So that was one of those where I was like, wow, Massachusetts, at least right now, our residents are walking the walk. Well, Aaron O'Brien and Steve Casella, I want to thank you both for being uh, such beacons of insight, uh, uh, helping us understand some of these issues, and appreciate your time here on the podcast. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you guys for doing this. I love it. And thank you, Steve Casella from the Mass Inc. Polling Group. Glad to, Michael. I'm Michael Jonas. Thanks for joining us. We will see you next week. <laughs>